The big story of the day, of course, coming out of Bob Cajun, and that is just a tragic story. Nine COVID-19 linked deaths in an Ontario nursing home um, and 34 staff members at the Pinecrest Nursing Home in Bob Cajun also feeling ill uh, with symptoms from COVID-19. And they are expecting there will be more deaths. It's such a tragic situation. We had uh, a listener by the name of uh, Wayne Collin just moments ago, his uncle Tom was uh, one of the people that passed away um, from complications from COVID-19. Let's have a little listen to what he had to tell us on the show just moments ago. And now you've got all the nurses there. There's something like 34 staff members at that same facility that yeah. have tested positive. And there's going to be no one left. And the poor old folks are going to be rolling around with their Alzheimer's in wheelchairs not knowing what hits them. It's well, Keith, I'm, I'm, I, I, I want to thank you. his name mentioned and that he wasn't a number. Yeah, his name was Tom, and that was Keith on the line. I apologize, Keith. A lot of names, of course, to keep track of while we're uh, covering these stories. I want to bring in Travis Danraj right now, our uh, Queen's Park Bureau Chief for Global News. Welcome to the show. Uh, it's not under good terms that we're talking right now. Just sad news out of this long-term care home. Travis, what is the latest on this? So we know that nine patients have died. This outbreak apparently started on Wednesday. That's according to Dr. Michelle Snar, who is the facility's medical director. I just spoke to her. She said she feels like she's a, a field commander at war right now, and she said that uh, there are going to be more deaths. Um, this is a dire situation right now, uh, not only for the residents, but also the staff at that facility. Uh, apparently, a large number of them, over half of the staff, have symptoms of COVID-19. Um, and it's just, you know, it, it, you know, she's saying that uh, all of these folks that are uh, residents there have underlying conditions and that it is difficult um, to put them on ventilators because they may not survive that. It's just a heart-wrenching situation. I could hear, you know, the, the emotion in the doctor's voice when, when she talked about trying to, to save some of these people. And, and there's little to nothing that they can do at this point. Yeah, I read a quote from her and she said she's been in practice from thir for 32 years and she's seen a lot of bad stuff happen, but she doesn't remember anything with this level of sadness. Are they, you know, I know they're working on, you know, half of the staff. So you can imagine how exhausted the staff that's still there are, how uh, frightened they are for the residents of that uh, nursing home and their own safety and their families when they go home, how exhausted they are. Are they getting any sort of help from elsewhere? Is there any talk of bringing in some uh, extra people to, to give a hand? So that's a very good question. And I wish I had the answer to that. We know uh, I've been in touch with the Ministry of, of Health on this uh, and the, the Minister Christine Elliott has yet to comment. We know that she is going to be joined along with the Premier and the Minister of Long-Term Care, Marilee Fullerton, to update the media on the situation uh, this afternoon at 1 o'clock at Queen's Park. Um, they have been pretty tight-lipped at this point. They're, they're still themselves trying to get a handle on what's going on there. I've also been in touch with the local health unit uh, and the medical officer of health, who, again, they're, they're scrambling right now trying to figure out what they can do, if anything. I asked the facility's medical director about personal protection equipment because that is something that has been coming up repeatedly from frontline workers. And she yeah. said 
uh, and she actually hasn't been in the facility. She's at home trying to manage this, which is very difficult as well, not being there. But she says everything she's hearing from staff is that they do have enough uh, medical supplies and personal protection equipment. Uh, That's what she's hearing from staff. I hope they have N95s and I hope they have face shields because, you know, all the uh, information that I'm reading is a surgical mask is not going to cut it. Well, and this is the thing. I mean, the premier uh, said on Saturday, I think it was, that, you know, uh, N95s weren't required for every situation. But certainly uh, in a situation like this, you would hope that they would have all the supplies. And we know that there have been issues with with getting some of those supplies to the frontline staff who need them. There have been reports of rationing at hospitals. Uh, Mm -hmm. Minister of Health denies that that is happening. She says that all hospitals have uh, enough PPE, but certainly that is not what we're hearing from frontline staff in this province. I'm hearing from sources as well that that's the case. Um, Do you think that the Premier and health officials will also be talking about this triage protocol that um, the Toronto Star um, obtained a a copy of? It was dated Saturday that they are trying to take uh, steps to prepare for the worst case scenarios and in, uh, you know, avoid having doctors make the decision of who lives, who dies, who gets ventilators. Well, the, the health minister did say a couple of days ago when she was pushed on this question, uh, she said that, you know, everyone who needs a ventilator will have a ventilator. But then, you know, uh, as a follow up uh, to a question about that very issue about, you know, what the situation in Italy and doctors having to choose, you know, if there are a lack of ventilators, who lives and who dies, it's just a horrible, horrible choice to make. She said that they're, they are working right now on ethical standards. Um, if it does come to that. But she she really wanted to highlight that from her perspective, it doesn't seem like it is going to come to that. Travis, what are you hearing about the numbers? We, um, as far as uh, new cases go, um, we have 351 new cases reported today. We know that our testing in the labs, they're backlogged. So those numbers are probably, you know, in some cases, very far behind. I, I've been hearing, I, I have a friend who has not heard about their test results yet. And it's well, been, this is the 12th day. You know, let me, let me just tell you a, a personal story. And I haven't actually haven't spoken about this. Uh, I was, uh, if you remember, I was traveling uh, in Brazil a couple of weeks ago. I turned around. I was in there, there for 24 hours. I came back. I started experiencing symptoms. I did the self-assessment. Uh, I called public health. They said, you need to get a test. I went to a testing facility I went through the triage. Uh, I got into the room. Doctor came in with face guard, mask, took my temperature, uh, listened to my breathing, and said, and I had the swab kit in my hand, and he said, I'm going to diagnose you as positive for COVID-19 right now, but I cannot give you a swab. We just don't have enough of them. And we've heard that story from uh, a number of people. They, they still need to ramp up testing. And if, you know, if a situation like mine uh, is transpiring where like someone is symptomatic, they're diagnosing somebody as positive, but they're not testing. Then that means that they're, they have, you know, the numbers aren't completely accurate. We know that the numbers aren't, aren't completely accurate at this point, but just the question is how many cases are there that are not diagnosed that aren't in the official numbers? 
Travis, what was the rationale that the doc, because you're a journalist, you're going to ask him why, I'm sure, not only oh, I did. Uh, for your own sake, but for the sake of everyone else. What was the rationale? Was it because you are, because you're a relatively fit young man that they didn't want to uh, yeah. bother because you didn't look se- severe enough? So he said, you, you, I, I, there's no, he said there's no question in my mind that you, you have it. Um, the, the test will tell you nothing uh, other than what I'm telling you right now. You have it. You have to go home. You have to self-isolate. And if you get worse, you need to go to the ER. We don't have enough tests right now to, uh, you know, take to test everyone. And I said, well, how are you supposed to contact tracing? How are you supposed to include me in the official numbers if you don't diagnose me? He said, I mean, basically, he said, buddy, listen, I, I hear where you're coming from. Uh, I have the exact same concerns, but we don't have enough tests right now to do it. I get, uh, this is what I have to tell you. I have to tell you, go home, you're positive, and treat yourself as you're positive, self-isolate, and, and if you get bad, go to the hospital. Okay, let me ask you this, and this is not a journalist question. This is a person-to-person question because, I mean, this is what people are thinking right now, and they're wondering, okay, if we've got more stories like yours, uh, isn't it best if if our public health officials come out and say, here are the loose numbers? Like, we actually think they're much, much higher. And and the reason why I say that is not to uh, make us overly fearful, but to to drive home the point that we really need to this this uh pandemic is much more severe than we actually have the data to support so we're gonna have to ask you to really take this self-isolation seriously yeah and i think that they have done that and they have they've done that softly if i can yeah but don't they have to be more strong well, you know, the, the, the public uh, health officer in Ottawa did say, uh, I guess it was a couple of weeks ago, uh, when the numbers were fairly low there, she said that there were likely thousands of people in the Ottawa area that have it there undiagnosed. And then uh, I asked uh, the associate medical officer of health about that the next day, and she said, oh, well, she was just, you know, speculating from uh, projections and models and things like that. But you know, the, the the question really is, when are we going to get more of these tests in place mm-hmm. so that we can get a better handle on the, on, on the situation? Because, you know, it comes down to testing, and we know that um, from looking at other jurisdictions. You know, you look at South Korea, they have tested, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of people in their population, and that's how they really got a handle on the situation, because you don't have a clear picture if you don't know how many people have it and you are rationing tests. Travis, I got to ask, because people are wondering, I mean, you sound pretty good now. How are you feeling, and how long did it take you to kind of get past your symptoms? I, I, and I still don't know whether or not I had it or like I have, I have asthma, I have some underlying health conditions. So I, you know, I get sick often. Um, and often I get sick, uh, when I come back from traveling, from being on a plane, et cetera. So I don't know for sure whether or not I had it. That's one of the big questions in my mind. Okay. If I had it, do I have immunity now? Did I, did I actually have it? Was it, you know, some other respiratory issue because of my asthma? And I don't have those answers. Uh, I talked to my GP, my uh, my doctor, and, and he said, well, listen, um, you know, if you continue to get worse uh, in the next week or so, and this was last week, um, then then you definitely 100% have it. But if you don't, then maybe you had it, maybe you didn't have it. So <laughs> I, I've gotten, as you can hear, I was a lot worse last week. I've gotten significantly better. So I, I feel like I'm hopefully out of the woods at this point. But again, 
Um, there, I, we did a story uh, a couple of days ago about how folks now who have tested positive and they do their 14 days, they are clear without getting testing to confirm that they're negative. What the situation yeah, which, was at the beginning of this is that you would have to have two negative tests yeah. 24 hours back to back to be confirmed negative. They're not doing that anymore. They're only doing that for select folks. Um, and so th- there's a question about whether or not you can be asymptomatic once you come out the other end of this uh, and still have a low viral load. But they're not confirming. And pass it on. Yeah. Exactly. They're not confirming that people are 100 percent negative before they clear them from the system. Well, Travis, uh, I, I'm happy that you shared that story with us. I think it's important that uh, if you do have COVID-19 or have COVID-19 like symptoms that, you know, we keep telling these stories because people aren't getting it through their heads that, you know, uh, this is a very real threat to, uh, you know, not only your own safety, your family's safety, but look at those people in, uh, you know, that Bob Cajun nursing home. It's just a tragic situation. I, I appreciate your time today, Travis. Thanks so much. Kelly, thank you. And just let me say, uh, we just published our article on the situation in Bob Cajun. So if you want more information on that, the very latest, head to the website, globalnews.ca.